Good morning. morning. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 7, verse number 16. And as you turn there, let me just share with you some really incredible news. This past Friday night, uh, our students had a lock-in, and uh, that's really just kind of like a rite of passage for youth pastors. Uh, That's got to be the worst event that you could ever host. (laughs) But Zach did that, and he's right now currently in the back with the kids, training a new group uh, for Kids Church. But um, they had over 65 students and adults at the lock-in on Friday the other night. Amen? And, uh, man, I just it's really, really impressed with the work that, that he's doing and really all of our staff. Uh, we have an incredible staff that, that works to serve our church and uh, serve our community and equip uh, each of us for the work of the ministry. Um, in Matthew chapter 7, we're continuing our series called Kingdom Come, and, and Jesus really in the Sermon on the Mount, is wrapping this thing up. And it's almost like he's, he's got a hammer, and he's just going to hammer this thing in to make sure that we get it, to make sure that we understand what he's talking about. And in verse 16, he says, You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree that bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. Now, a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. And every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, you will recognize them by their fruits. And then he says in verse 21 and 22, and these these verses are, are, are quite concerning. He says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But the one, who, the one who does the will of my Father, who is in heaven, on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Now, as a church, there's something very healthy about considering our standing with God. I I think that's something each and every one of us need to do. We need to consider our standing with God. Where are we in our relationship to who God is? And it's vital that we consider eternity. It's important that we think about where we're going to be a thousand years from now, a million years from now, and and what it is that we live for in this life. What What is truly significant? What is really important? And we could take this text, and if you, if you look at it in its immediate context, you see in verse 15, he says, Beware of false, false prophets who, who come in in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. And then he just says, You'll recognize them by their fruits. And so there's this, to some degree, dichotomy, because on one hand, yes and amen, we need to consider those who teach the Word of God, and we talked about that last week. But, he, but, he, but again, he, just, he drives this home a little bit more And he begins to talk to us, I believe, individually as followers of Jesus Christ, those of us who claim to be his disciples. And so in our text today, I I think, yeah, man, we we could use this text and evaluate others' lives, but what I believe we're supposed to do today is evaluate our own faith. I think we're to look in the mirror this morning and evaluate our faith and whether or not we are following Jesus and whether or not, as the text says, that we're obedient to the will of God. Is our life aligned with the Word of God and the things that God has for us? Now, I want to ask you this morning, have you ever been deceived? How many of you have ever just been deceived by someone? It's kind of like a bait and switch, you know what I mean? 
And I don't know about you, but, but, but someone just, just they, they, they sell you a bill of goods and you believe them. And I, I don't know that there's, there's nothing worse than feeling like you got lied to, right? All, all of God's people said amen, right? There's nothing worse than that. I mean, there, there's nothing worse than, than that. But there's, there's nothing worse than someone lying to you. But there's, some, there's, there's something even more challenging about being deceived by yourself. I think sometimes we're really good at deceiving ourselves. We rationalize, we justify, and we lie. And every one of us in this room lie. In fact, I heard Matt Chandler say years ago, no one lies to you more than you lie to yourself. And so that's why we have to take the Word of God and we have to lay it across our hearts and and we have to uh, really kind of just traverse, if you will, and, 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 and run our life through the grid or the lens of the Word of God and the will of God so that we can evaluate our lives and discover whether or not we actually are being obedient to God and, and, and faithful disciples of Jesus Christ. And there's nothing worse than deceiving yourselves. In fact, I would argue that we're all susceptible to deceiving ourselves. But in our text today, what happens is Jesus warns us of the peril of deceiving ourselves. Because it's one thing to be deceived by someone else. It's something altogether different and much more consequential, if you will, if you have deceived yourself into believing that you are something when you actually are not. Are you guys with me? Say amen. So Jesus warns us of the peril of doing this, especially when it comes to our relationship to him. When it comes to our our understanding of who he is and what he has done, and where we stand with him. This deception, it actually comes with eternal consequences. And so, what Jesus is saying in our text today, and I believe this is in your notes today, those who occupy the kingdom possess a relationship with Jesus, not a religion with rules. That's really what we're talking about in Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Because over the last year, what we've been talking about, what we've been discussing, is that God is more concerned with who we are, not just what we do, because uh, what we do is impacted by who we are. And that really comes down to this issue of fruit that we're going to talk about in a minute because there's a lot of good moral people in the world in which we live. But what matters is our motive. And those who follow Christ, those who are disciples of Jesus Christ, have as their motive to bring glory to God and do so in obedience to the Word of God. They are not being good people for the sake of being good, and they're not being good people uh, for the sake of earning or meriting the favor of God and, and establishing their righteousness, because our righteousness is established by the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen? And so we stand, amen, yeah. We stand forgiven, and we stand righteous, and we stand right with God because of who Jesus is and not because of what we do. And so the question this morning as we look at this quote here is, do we know the difference? Do you understand fully and completely the power of Christ to transform you and not just your ability to keep the rules? And I've said this before, and I just want to say it again so that we're not confused here today. I think rules are good, but they don't make us right with God. And I'm for rules, you know. Uh, Outback has a slogan when you go to their restaurant, no rules, just, just right. Well, I hope you have rules, like wash your hands before you cook my steak. That's a good rule to have. Right? But the question is, do you know the difference? It's eternally significant that you do. In fact, your destiny hinges on whether or not you embrace Jesus personally. And I just want to say that again. Your eternity 
where you will be a thousand years from now, where you will be a millennia from now, hinges on whether or not you have fully embraced Jesus Christ. See, religion, it deceives us into thinking our righteousness is enough, our righteousness is enough, our rules, our right living is enough to satisfy the demands of a holy God. And the reality is, is Jesus alone is righteous. And He is our righteousness. And because Jesus is righteous, and because He has given us His own righteousness, we therefore then in turn pursue the life of Jesus Christ. And so the the reality is this, and this is the big idea that I kind of want us to, to think on and ponder on today, and that is this. We must be careful of deception, but the greatest danger is self-deception. And that's the point I believe Jesus is trying to make. The Pharisees were leading people to ruin because they kept the rules. They were moral. They were good. They, 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 they looked the part. They played the game. And yet they didn't have a relationship with Christ. Now here, here's the thing. If you don't understand the difference between following Jesus and the, fake, the fakeness of religion, then you are living a life of, self de- uh, of self-deception. We'll say that again. If you don't understand the difference between following Jesus and, fake, and the fakeness of religion, you're living a life of self-deception. Now, Paul said it this way to the church at Philippi. In Philippians 2.12, he says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, a lot of times we come to church and we're like, man, that was a really good message. I wish so-and-so would have been here, Right? Right? bunch of hypocrites. I know you do that. I do that. I, I write these things. And I'm like, why weren't they here? They need to hear what I said today. I don't do that. I kind of do. All right. <laughs> I do that. I try not to. <laughs> I need to confess more. Please All right, here we go. But here's the thing. I can't work out someone else's thing. I can't do that for them. What I can do is take care of, of, I can draw a circle around myself and take care of what's in that circle. And there's enough there to keep me occupied for some time. And so it is with you. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now those who occupy the kingdom have a deep, settled conviction in their relationship with Christ. They understand the difference and the deception. And so you will either live the fake religious life or the faith relationship life. Those are the choices. The fake religious life or the faith relationship life. Now, knowing the difference gives you peace and purpose, and Jesus took time to clear up the difference between those who were fake and those who had faith. And it begins with this. There's a difference between fakers and fruit bearers. That's, Jesus says as much in our text today. There's a difference between fakers and fruit bearers. Now, Jesus, was, with, with poignant clarity, states the evidence of his followers. He says, you, you will know them. He says in the text today, you will know them by their what? You'll know them by their fruits. And not just their fruits, he says, the evidence of a disciple, the evidence of a follower of Christ is good fruit. Now, a man is known by his fruit, and his fruit is the byproduct of his relationship with Jesus. Let me say that again, because I, I don't want us to just kind of just blow through that. A man is known by his fruit, and his fruit is the byproduct of his relationship with Jesus. Not his ability to keep the rules, play the game, or even act apart. <clears throat> now, essentially, the most powerful evidence of one's eternity is the fruit that his life bears out before God and others for the kingdom. And that's eternal. 
And a life that has bad fruit is a life that's never experienced the life-transforming power of Jesus in their life. Because Jesus, by way of the Holy Spirit, produces in us fruit that abides. He produces good fruit in us. Last week we talked about what is fruit. There's a lot of things that would constitute fruit, but I think the best biblical description and definition is what we find in Galatians chapter 5, where Paul writes to the church at Galatia, and he says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, faith, and then he says self-control. Now, what is bad fruit? Because I know, what's the bad fruit? And I would say it's the opposite of, of the good fruit, right? It's impatience, it's, it's unkindness, it's greed, it's anger and bitterness. And when that stuff, or really any sin, goes on unchecked, we need to really begin to examine our faith and ask ourselves if we're actually following Jesus. And it's possible for people to know the right language, believe intellectually the right doctrines, obey the right rules, and not be saved. I want to say that again. It's possible for people to know the right language. They know what to say when they're in, their, when they're in church. They know how to act when they're in church. I mean, I, I, I lived in Chicago for, for almost 20 years, and, 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 and Roman Catholics, many of, many of them are, 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 are incredibly moral people. I've met Lutherans, incredibly moral people. I've even met Baptists, man, that are, they, they play the game and they act the part, and maybe sometime a long time ago they prayed some prayer, but, but their faith and their understanding and their relationship with Christ never really connected. They never actually began a relationship with Jesus. They started playing the game of religion. It's possible for people to know the right stuff and not be saved, to not truly know Jesus. In fact, in verse 21, he says, Those who obeyed the will of my Father who is in heaven. Now that's kind of confusing, isn't it? Are you guys let me say amen? That's kind of confusing, right? Because on one hand, you've got the Pharisees, and they're pursuing God. They're doing good things. They're doing right things. And then you've got other people over here that they don't really acknowledge God, and they're just acting in a way that would be reflective of somebody who's not a follower of Jesus Christ. The key is this, is why do we do what we do? If I'm doing good... Because I'm trying to earn or merit righteousness before God when it has already been purchased for me by the blood of Jesus Christ on Calvary. And I'm trying to earn my standing with Him and and doing so without having a knowledge of and an intimate relationship with Jesus. That path is the path to ruin. At some point or another, you're going to peter out in your relationship with God. And so he says, those who obeyed the will of my Father. The obedience, and we're going to talk about this a little bit later on, is motivated because I have been saved, not because I want to be saved. Are you guys following me? Say amen. Well, there's, 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 this, there's going to be this life that's transformed with budding fruit. It just happens. It just grows. With fruit that is genuine, fruit that is real. When we were looking for homes... And uh, considering what God wanted us to do, we'd walk into some of these houses, and they'd be staged, you know, and set up, because you wanted to know what the house would look like if it had furniture in it. And sometimes I'd go into those houses, and I'd, I'd look at the table, and there'd be a fruit bowl there, and I'd go to grab it. And there's nothing worse than trying to grab a fake piece of fruit and bite into it, right? 
And really, that's what a lot of our lives could be described as. And here's the thing. Did, Christ, did my decision for Christ change my life? Well, Jesus said those who pretended to know him, those who were not the real thing, would be eternally separated from God. And how sad. Because that's the thing this morning. Not a single person in this room today, not a single person in your neighborhood, not a single person in your school, not a single person uh, that lives on your street needs to be eternally separated from God. And the good news is, is you don't have to work your way to get there. Jesus Christ came 2,000 years ago and he laid down his life on the cross so that we could take one step to him and he would forgive us of all of our sins, past, present, and future. Amen? That's the good news this morning. Man, that's good news. And I don't know what you're carrying in terms of a burden today. But I just know that to be forgiven of my sins and have a right relationship with God is the best news that anybody can have. Many people will be deceived into thinking they're disciples because there is a difference between fakers and fruit bearers. But there's also a difference between between profession and personal intimacy. In verses 22 and 23, the Bible says in that, that passage on that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? Jesus is going to say, I never knew you. The truth here is about intimacy with Jesus. The key for Jesus was, and the key is, intimacy. Did you or do you actually know Jesus Christ? George W. Truett, who pastored... First Baptist Church of Dallas many years ago, he was teaching, I believe, at Southwestern, and a student came up to him and said, "Uh, Dr. Truitt, I want to know, is God real to you? And I don't want a theological or a philosophical answer, but I want to know, is God real to you? A tear began to come down his cheek, and he looked in that young man's eyes. He said, son, I want you to know that God is more real to me than the skin that covers your bones. And I just wonder this morning, is God that real to us today? Is Jesus that close to us today? Is he that, are we that intimate with Christ today? Do we have our pulse on the heart of God? Do we have our pulse on the heart of Christ? Do we know him? Religion and rituals are are not an evidence of your your relationship with him. I I, I certainly can love and and appreciate the, the, the liturgy of the the, the Catholic and the, 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 the Lutheran and even the, the Reformed traditions. There's a lot of ceremony that goes into that. And I think sometimes in our, in our services, we, we lose the, the sacredness, if you will, of what it means to worship God. Are you guys with me? Say amen. But I'm going to tell you, rituals do not get you to a place of relationship. Rituals and tradition do not get you to a place of righteousness. No, man, intimacy does. The foundation of our righteousness is a relationship to Christ. J.D. Greer, and if you've ever struggled with your salvation, I would encourage you to read this book. It's called Stop Asking Jesus Into Your Heart. That's the name of the book. And J.D. Greer says it this way. He says, conversion is not completing a ritual. It's a commencing, it's, it is a commencing a, a, a relationship. It's the beginning of a relationship. In John 10, 27 and 28, he says, My sheep, they hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me, and I I give them eternal life, and they they never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. I don't know about you, but that's that's a good word from God today. Amen? My sheep, they hear my voice, and they follow me. 
And if we're not following Jesus, then we're not being intimate with him. He hasn't changed our life. He hasn't transformed our life. Man, the confidence, though. I put them in my hand. These are my people. These are my children. And nobody will snatch them out of the hand of the Father. Amen? Just because you say that you know someone isn't an indicator that you actually know them. Are you guys with me today? I know George Washington. I know Abraham Lincoln, but I never met him. I know some things about them. There's a lot of you that I know, but I don't know you. Some of you know me, but you don't, you don't know me. You don't know my, my, uh, my favorite movie, maybe. You may not know my, my favorite food, my favorite comfort food, my favorite vacation. There's a lot to intimacy. There's something about being intimate with someone. I mean, really knowing them. It's not some prayer we pray. It's not some ritual that we fulfill. Following Jesus Christ and being saved and knowing that heaven is our home and that we're right with God goes so much deeper than just praying some prayer, following some ritual. J.I. Packer in his book, Knowing God, says, Interest in theology, knowledge about God, and the capacity to think clearly and talk on Christian themes is not at all the same thing as knowing Him. And you can know your Bible front and back. You can know the 66 books of the Bible, the Ten Commandments, all the Beatitudes. You can know all of those things. And you can miss heaven by six inches because you have a head knowledge and not a heart knowledge of who Jesus Christ really is. You can know the facts about someone and not be intimate with that person. You cannot know for certain what waits for you in eternity without knowing Jesus. You cannot know what waits for you in eternity. And I'm not talking like next week. I'm talking a thousand years from now. I'm talking a million years from now. Where will you be in eternity? And for some, that might sound hokey. For others, that might sound like, whoa, man, like you're a weirdo. Man, if you think eternity is weird, read Revelation, man. There's some crazy stuff going on in Revelation. I mean, you get to the end of the book, and Jesus comes in riding on a white horse with a sword out of his mouth and a tattoo on his thigh for all those that preach against tattoos, you know? Well, that's Jesus comes back, man, in the millennium, and he sets up his kingdom, and he rules, and he reigns. And you can't, you can't be certain about your eternity if you're not certain about your relationship with Jesus. You can't know the purpose of God and the purpose that he has for you now and forever if you don't know Jesus. But there's also, lastly, to kind of wrap this thing up, there's this, the difference is demonstrated in belief. And not behavior modification. Guys, a belief in Jesus and his word goes deeper. And our trust in him is not in our work. Paul said it this way. He says, as you have received Christ Jesus, so walk in him. Now, that, 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 this is what that means. When I came to Christ, I was broken. I was undone. I was unrighteous as I stood before a holy God. And I came to God in need of his forgiveness, and I came to him in need of his grace. But so often when we get saved, we come to God by grace through faith. Are you guys with me? Say amen. All right? But then when we become followers of Christ, when we become Christians, 
we, we invert that. And you know what we do? We start playing the game and acting the part and trying to keep all the rules. And again, we're keeping rules, but the rules don't get us to a place of intimacy. The rules don't get us to a place of righteousness. The rules don't get us to a place of deeper faith in God. And so what we do is is we try to constantly do things and be things in order to get closer to God when all God wants to do is for you to crawl up in his lap and for him to put his arms around you and have a relationship with him. That's what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And I think so often we think God is in heaven with his bat and every time that we do something wrong, his wrath is going to come down on us. And man, if you've ever raised kids, I don't know about you, but I don't go a day without my kids doing something where I just don't want to crack them. You know what I mean? And when I say crack them, please don't call children's services. I think you understand discipline. I need to talk to them. I need to correct them. But you know what? I love those kids. And no matter what they do, they're my kids. And if you try to mess with my kids, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come after you, right? They're my kids. And I love them. And even when they do ridiculous things and I want to, you know, discipline them, man, I love having them around. I don't want space between me and them. Are you guys with me? Say amen. amen. And when I want to discipline them, it's not. And as a dad, as a human dad, I want to discipline them because they just imposition me and they make me upset and they just make me look kind of ridiculous sometimes in front of other people. As a parent, you know what I mean? Say amen. When God disciplines us, he wants to discipline us because it's for our good. <laughs> Are you guys with me? Say amen. Because here's the thing. He, just, he, wants, he wants to know us. He wants us to know him. Now, one writer said it this way. He says, belief is the hand. I love this. Belief is the hand that lays hold of the finished work of Jesus. My kids do not have to prove to me that they are my kids. You know why? Because they're my kids. They're mine. I don't have to prove to Christ anything. I don't have to prove to God anything. I can stop performing and I can just be his son. I can just follow him with all of my sin, with all of my struggles, with all of my doubts, with my discouragement, I just follow him. I just draw close to him. I just crawl up in his lap and I say, God, I'm afraid. And God, I'm acting out and I'm struggling with sin. And I don't always know why I get anxious. I don't know why I get angry. I don't know why I get discouraged because you're more good to me than I deserve. And then he just speaks to me through his word. And he encourages me. And I walk with him. And out of that intimacy, there is fruit that is produced that has an impact in eternity. Man, faith that looks anywhere else but Christ will not find assurance, but it will have incessant doubt. If your faith is in your ability to keep the rules and be right with God, you're going to constantly doubt you're standing with God and you're going to doubt whether or not you actually follow Jesus Christ. But when you look to the cross and you see that God loved you so much that he gave his only son and he paid the ultimate price to redeem you, to secure you, to adopt you, to elect you, to choose you, 
Man, I don't know about you, but that ought to stiffen your backbone to follow Jesus Christ and know that you are right with God. Amen? When you look anywhere else but Christ, you will not find assurance because it's in Christ alone. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make bad people good. We're all bad. He came to make dead people alive. And when you put your faith in Jesus, he transforms you from the inside out. Those who know me obeyed my will and words is what Jesus says. And there's this underlying proof of faith in Jesus. Intimacy produces a heart that desires to know and follow him. And we walk in his ways and we serve him in his kingdom. And if you've come to know Christ and you're struggling with sin, it doesn't mean you're not saved. But I will say this. If you can live your life and you can continue to live in the old ways and the old patterns of living and you can disregard God and His Word and the Spirit's voice in your life, if you turn and flip your nose up at God and you feel no remorse and no conviction for the things in your life that are not aligned and congruent with the Word of God, you need to ask yourself, am I really a follower of Jesus Christ? You might need to question that. You might need to examine that. Because see, J.D. Gurr said it this way also in his book, Stop asking Jesus Christ. He said, God is not simply after obedience. He's after a whole new kind of obedience that grows from desire and obedience that obeys because it wants to, not because it has to. That's what God is looking for in our life. That is the evidence. That's the fruit of a transformed life. It's the evidence of a life that has truly been saved by a dynamic relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, I want to know this morning, would you consider your relationship with Jesus dynamic? Would you consider your faith real? Would you consider it authentic? Would you consider it active? 1 John 2, 3 says, And by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And it goes on to say in another passage, And his commandments are not a burden. And what that means is this. is like, do I struggle to obey God in certain areas of my life? Absolutely. Do people drive me nuts and I want to cut them off in uh, uh, traffic, uh, in anger and all that? Yeah, man, I want to do that. But deep down, because the Holy Spirit has resided in me, and because the Word of God is real to me, and because I want to please my Father in heaven, there is this growing sense, this growing desire for me to change and, 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 and be the man that God wants me to be. That's a different kind of desire. It's not like I'm trying to obey so I can get in. I'm already in. I'm a part of the family. I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ. And so therefore, because of who I am and where I find my identity, I want how I act and how I behave to align with who God says that I am. And that's totally different than what most of us do. See, disciples aren't obeying because they have to or because they're trying to secure their standing with God. They they obey because they love and treasure and pursue Jesus. Belief in the words and ways of Jesus and a desire to follow him is the byproduct of someone who truly knows what it means to be a disciple. And I, I know what it is to struggle with sin. I know what it is to fall backwards in my relationship to God. And, and I, 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 don't, I don't know, sometimes in life it feels like this. You're living for God and you do something really dumb. Really foolish, something really simple. How many of you know what I mean when I say that? Amen? And for all of us, it's different. Okay? Some of you aren't raising your hands, and you should. How many of you know what I mean? Say amen. Amen? You, you, you're really living for God, and there's that one besetting sin, and you do it, 
and it feels like you've been climbing the ladder of righteousness and you're getting closer and closer to God and you're feeling God's presence and you're feeling uh, a sense of God's power in your life and then you just do something incredibly boneheaded. And then your, your, your thing is, is that here's what, here's what we want to do when we do that. We want to run from God, don't we? We don't want to come to church. We don't want to read our Bible. We don't want to raise our hands and worship because we feel like we're not worthy. Listen, you are not worthy. That's why Jesus died for you anyways, all right? But here's how we know that we know the gospel. We know the gospel if when we mess up, we don't run from our dad. When we mess up, we actually run to him. We run back to him and we say, oh man, dad, I messed up. Help me fix this. That's how you know that you know the gospel because it's not about us fixing our life. It's about God transforming us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this. Could you imagine the peace and impact your life could have if we genuinely pursued a relationship with Jesus? Knowing that you know that you know Jesus. I mean, really knowing that and knowing that Jesus knows you. And that's going to lead to more peace and joy than you ever dreamed possible. So this morning, I want to challenge you to move from self-deception to dependence on Jesus Christ. Have you deceived yourself into thinking that your righteous deeds are enough to gain your standing before God? Because by nature, all of us, by nature, all of us are performers. We want to act the part. We want to play the game. We want to fit in with the crowd. No more faking. No more professing. No more behavior modification. This morning, you're invited by Jesus himself to begin a powerful relationship with him. And if you're already a follower of Christ, the same gospel that saved you is the same gospel that transformed you to the person that God called you to be. And I want to challenge you to know Jesus, to pursue Jesus, to treasure Jesus. I want to challenge our church to really walk with God, to know his word, listen to the Holy Spirit, obey every impulse that the Holy Spirit puts on your life and on your heart. Follow him and know him. Get rid of the distractions. Get rid of the social media. Get rid of the television set. If it's getting in the way of you knowing Christ, silence it. Silence it. And let him transform you from the inside out. With every head bowed and every eye closed, let me ask you this morning, how many of you would say to me, Pastor Jason, I certainly know Jesus, and I know that I'm right with God. I know I'm forgiven of my sins, and I know that I have a home in heaven. Would you lift your hand and just let me see that by way of testimony this morning? Like, man, I can, I can confess that. Like, that's, that's real in my life. How many of you would say to me this morning, I do not know with a certainty that Jesus is my Savior. I don't know that I'm right with God. I don't know where I would spend eternity. If I were to slip out into eternity today, I don't know. I don't know. And how many of you just give testimony to that and say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I'm, I'm uncertain of my eternity. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone that's like that that's in here today? Amen. Now, how many of you say to me this morning, I want to be closer to God. I want to be closer. I, I really want to know Christ. I want to walk with him. I want to listen to him. I want my life to be a reflection of his will and his word. I want that for my life today. Would you lift your hand and just let me pray with you and over you this morning? Amen. With your heads bowed, your eyes closed, would you just stand to your feet today? Father in heaven, I don't know the hearts of everyone in this room, but God, I know from my own life, I get in trouble. My wife, my kids, even with my ministry, when I don't follow you, when, I don't, when I'm not walking with you, I get anxious, I get angry, I get frustrated, I get sideways in so many different ways. 
there is a peace that passes all understanding. There is a, there is a fruit in my spirit of peace and patience, kindness, love, goodness, and faith that I need, that my family needs, that this church needs, this community, my friends and my neighbors, they need that. I just pray this morning that we would really, really discover what it means to walk in intimacy with Jesus. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you do this today? If God's spoken to you about being more intimate with Him, walking with Him, really knowing Him, and seeing the good fruit, being the byproduct of your intimacy with Him, being produced in your life for all eternity, right now, on this note, would you just come as Derek and our worship team?